And here we are. It's in the depths of winter. And on Friday, a group of us were meditating. And one of our friends observed, I think this year is darker than any year. Don't you think so? And I'm not sure if it's physical that suddenly the world is plunged into more darkness, but certainly it feels that way as we live with uncertainty, as the pandemic goes on and on. So I was reminded of the great quote by Albert Camus, in the midst of winter, in the depths of winter, I finally learned there was within me an invincible summer. And that made me happy. And it finally dawned on me today that he didn't mean a relentless, sunny attitude, but warmth, warmth so that we can practice right now whatever you bring to this space, whether you feel happy or tired or fearful or optimistic, or you're not sure why you feel, notice that you can meet this with a kind acceptance. You can be just like this. And not just like this alone, but with others. And I've mentioned before, and you've probably heard in other sources that the Buddha's beloved attendant, Ananda, once said, Buddha aren't friends, noble friends half of the holy path, the holy life. And he said, no, Ananda, noble friends are the whole of the path. And this can seem like a paradox to bring up. Here we are in our separate homes on a dark night, physically apart. But notice that this practice of friendliness, friendliness is the core of this ancient practice, metta, loving kindness, loving friendliness. This attitude of friendliness is something that you can bring to yourself and to others in this space. So what we do when we come here is that we share an intention to be present. That mysterious word again. But we share this intention with other people so that no matter how you're feeling, how lonely or frightened or tired, you can let yourself soften into the understanding that you are sitting with others who share a wish to be connected to their deepest, truest experience and relate to the world, to others from that place. And we lost Bell Hooks this week, a wonderful scholar and activist and author who also was part of the Buddhist community. And I wanted to read this wonderful quote from Bell Hooks. Knowing how to be solitary is central to the art of loving. When we can be alone, we can be with others without using them as a means of escape. 
Isn't that wonderful? As we learn how to be with ourselves, to be solitary in the sense of bringing the attention home, we can begin to be with others without using them as a means of escape. And we're given this extraordinary opportunity because we meet in our separate homes together to begin to practice what it could be like to be with your own deepest solitude and open outward from that, from that truth. And we begin, we begin to discover or we discover again and again that this is not a philosophy, but a practice of softening and opening towards all of your experience. It's not a practice about manipulating and altering your experience, finding a better state, self-improvement. It's a practice for learning to open, to touch all of our experience with an open and caring attention. It's like how it feels to be with a loving friend. So I, I recalled a tiny story that makes this point. There was a very famous dervish, Sufi master, and he would, there was something about him so that he'd just sit in a cafe and people would be drawn to him because he had some ineffable inviting presence. And inevitably, people would ask him questions about the holy life or about awakening. And inevitably, he would give one simple answer. When they would say, how did you get to be so holy or awakened? He'd say, I know what's in the Quran. And you could substitute the Pali Canon or the Torah or the Bible. Any great holy book, I know what's in it. So one day, this very aggressive, achievement-oriented fellow said, well, tell me exactly what you mean by what's in the crayon. And he said, very calmly and sweetly, two pressed flowers and a note from a beloved friend. Isn't that lovely? That it's not about collecting and seizing upon sayings from holy books or great books. It's about opening to remember, allow ourselves to recall how it feels to be loved exactly as we are. That's not to say that we indulge and condone every behavior we have or others have, but our intention and our heart, the heart of our practice, is not to change ourselves, but to be with what arises, with loving friendliness, with that sunniness, which isn't blinding, but a warmth. So it's a dark time. It's the depths of winter. And it's a dark time in other ways, too. So what would it be like if instead of insisting that we act like it's high noon in July, we welcomed this time of wintering. We met our conditions with acceptance and love. What would that be like? A friend of mine is living with cancer 
And she has discovered the great difference between wellness and well-being. I was so touched when she shared that with me. That wellness is a state of, as we know, having the good fortune of everything in balance and working well and feeling good. But well-being is something quite different. Well-being is being trusting, like Camus discovered, trusting that there is within you something that can meet whatever comes. And just with interest, with kindness, with care, something within you remembers that what really matters in the end isn't a collection of books or sayings, but remembering that feeling of being with, with love and acceptance, being with ourselves begins to make us capable of being with others in a new way. So here we are on Zoom and things are spiking and all this. And I invite you before we said to realize I was talking with another friend about how the root of the word sacred means to set apart. And she said, that's so interesting because there's a Hebrew word for holy that comes from Kaddish, which also means to set apart. That we can look at this time we have on Sundays and Wednesdays as a little bit of time that we set apart not to be engaged in the usual ways, but to deepen and soften into our own solitude with others. So let's sit together and, and see. And so we take a comfortable seat I like the word comfortable because I encourage you to not strive, but to be upright and relaxed with most of your attention on making space for this being, your being however you're feeling. Let the eyes close and just notice how it feels to be you right now. And notice that there's an attention within you right here that can see and sense and soften. Let everything happen, all your thoughts and all your feelings and all your sensations. Don't strive to change. And notice that you can bring the attention back to the body, back to the sensation of being present. Breathing, sensing, feeling the weight of the body.
Notice what it's like to grant yourself your full permission to be just like this. When we make this movement of return to the body, to the present moment, we settle down and open up. Noticing again the vibrancy inside, the aliveness that's here, the attention that sees without comment, without thinking, with acceptance. with kindness. Just rest in stillness. Resting in the presence inside you that's inherently kind. Accepting.
Notice how it feels to rest in presence, in an awareness that's in body and mind. and heart. And see that whenever you get lost in thinking or dreaming, you can notice this with gentleness, with acceptance, and gently come back again to the sensation of being present in a body, breathing, softening. Notice as you settle down, as you come home to sensation, you glimpse a light and a warmth inside you, an attention that meets what comes with interest and kindness, an infinite patience.
notice that you're more than your passing states. You're also this kind willingness to be with what comes. If just for a moment, Notice how it feels to remember that we're sitting with other people. Who share our wish for presence, for opening. for coming home to our deepest experience. And see that you're welcome every time you come home to the present. Welcomed by an attention that sees without comment, with love and acceptance.
Just let yourself be held by presence. Seen with kind attention. Resting in the warmth and light of your own being. Thank you so much for your practice. And if you have observations or questions, insights about your practice, we'd love to hear your voice. Please feel free to speak. Hi, hi, everyone, first of all. Thank you for sharing with me. Uh, I think I got the kindness to myself practice down pat today because I fell asleep about six times. And suddenly I hear your voice and I would come back to myself and feel so renewed and so unselfconscious. It, it was a new experience. So even though I, I was sleeping, which I shouldn't, obviously, uh, something good came out of that. So there's been progress. Thank you. Well, thank you. And maybe you should have been asleep. I mean, you could be tired. <laughs> it's winter. And um, and it, we, it's time to hibernate and rest. But seriously, it's an opportunity when things like that happen, when we fall asleep, and then we come back. 
to notice how quickly we jump to judge ourselves, don't we? Or admonish ourselves, or I shouldn't be doing that. And to begin to realize that our practice could open up so that it's not just when we're beautifully present, but also when we find ourselves asleep and we come back, our practice can expand that way. Yes, I found myself so glad to be where I was when I realized that split second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to also just quickly mention about the darkness you spoke about this winter. My husband on Friday said to me, we were driving in the car on a parkway, said, isn't it extra dark tonight? And I looked around and I said, mm, I, I can't say it's a full moon. And yet when we looked out to our left, especially, it was total, total darkness. I can't imagine how that was possible with a full moon beaming down on it. Uh, it's interesting that you spoke about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And notice, and this is an invitation for all of us to notice that in a physically dark time like this, it's a perfect condition to notice warmth and light inside, inside our homes, inside ourselves. And don't fight the darkness. Now that you said that, I'm realizing I didn't find it as dark. I mean, it was dark, but it didn't bother me. And I'm not fond of the dark, or I never used to be, but it didn't bother me. And that, that's encouraging as well. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And then someone shared a beautiful quote from Rilke, I believe in night some weeks ago, that what if these dark times or these times of being more limited or enclosed and meeting together like this were also wonderful times for experimenting with the possibility that the darkness isn't necessarily something fearful, but possibly something that can nourish us and bring new possibilities for understanding. And by that, it sounds vague, but concrete example, my daughter introduced me to this YouTube show with this young woman who relocated to the, a village in the north of Sweden. It's dark from a city to this life. And at first you see her kind of bucking against the darkness, you know, how to feel vigorous and awake and do breathing and take ice baths. And then slowly coming to understand that the darkness is its own gift that it's a time for more rest. It's a time for this kind of reflective energy or being cozy together or bringing, there's something extraordinary about bringing loving kindness to yourself. And we almost never do, we're parched for it. And specifically in times when we fall asleep or we're tired or we're confused or bereft, what would it be like if we didn't bully ourselves into quick change, but instead brought loving kindness to that state, that difficult state? Tracy? Yes. Um, I, I'm glad you brought up bell hooks uh, and um, and making those connections. I, I guess I, you know, I've only read Teaching to Transgress, but the, I'm seeing now, you know, as you're kind of making those connections and help me, is that the, the connections between um, 
uh, her writing and, and the Buddhist philosophy, and especially the idea of free, like the meta, the freedom, I, just so much of her writing is about freedom and opening up, even to the point of um, saying that educators can free their students by freeing themselves, by being constantly opening to, to, to be opening to new ideas and new learning which also allows the students to have nonconformist ideas and just not regurgitate exam questions. Um, so I just like that connection you made um, between her philosophies and Buddhism. Well, thank you, Douglas. And thank you for what you bring because the way we practice that together in this space is just by daring, just in moments to be fully with ourselves, to meet ourselves in all our complexity, our full humanity, our pain and joy, our inspiration and desolation, and dedicating ourselves to meeting that. Notice, and it's perfect in Zoom, because it's, it's so safe. Notice how it feels to be have your practice going in that direction and then open towards others, sharing from your depth, from your deepest, truest experience to others. And then as Bell Hook said, it, it opens up the possibility of new kinds of relationships. And as she put it, not using other people to escape, as Buddha would call it, noble friends. I love that expression, noble friends. They're the people, it doesn't mean we're perfect and, and regal in our stature, though it's nice, <laughs> it's nice to aspire, but, be, but that we share something. We're in all different places here. There's someone from Scotland, someone from, from Spain. We're all, it's so wonderful. All different places, but we share something. And we don't even have to put in words. A wish. I wish to be fully myself. To be seen and to see. Yeah. And we just discover that this presence is something that we share. So it's what is most deeply personal and yet also something that's like sunlight or like a vibrancy that we can feel, that we share with other people in moments of really relating even as we do on Zoom, being quietly with ourselves and here and gone, not relentlessly, rigidly here, but with this wish. You see what I mean? Yeah. And it gives other people permission. to be themselves, the real selves. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Wayne. Um, a small, uh, I, I love coming back to the presence, to the attention that's there. And today you said, um, uh, I was reminded of something you said some some time ago where you talked about it, it waiting for me. Uh, I love that notion that it's always there. And it's almost uh, you almost give it some sort of personality that it's 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 just waiting there for me anytime I want to access it. Um, love that notion. And it uh, it, it kind of helps to almost uh, have this permanent place that is this presence and this attention that's that feels good to have and knowing that it's there waiting with open arms so to speak yeah 
Yeah, it's in us. And it's a perfect time of year. The reason I love that little dervish story, I know it's in the Quran, two pressed flowers and a note from a beloved friend, is that we can start to make our practice radically simple. That it's not so much solving and having grand thoughts, but remembering how it feels to be met. You know those times when someone sat with you and really saw you for a moment. Even you might not even see yourself, but they might have fanned a little spark in you, helped you remember your basic goodness or your kindness. And to make your practice one, not so much of thinking, but of actions, this action of meeting your experience with that kind of loving presence. Just that. And like I was quoting Rilke, being patient with everything unsolved in your heart, it goes on to say, and letting yourself live into answers. You're just bringing the attention. That's it. And sometimes I've actually said to myself as an exercise, I could live this way forever. Even if it's a moment of complete desolation or something, just as an experiment, what would it be like to be completely comfortable just like this? Without always being on a hot stove, I gotta change. Just the opposite. And we begin to see how our lives can open. Tracy, when I started sitting tonight, I thought I was bringing to the sitting fear. And very soon into the sitting, I found that what I was feeling was just this tremendous sadness about what's going on in the world. Um, I have a daughter who's, who's due to deliver in February, and I'm worried about her and the virus and my other grandchildren. And I don't want to experience this type of sadness. I don't know how to live with that and say, what if I were to feel like this forever? I, I, how can I, but that's, that's what I felt during the sitting, just this welling up of sadness. Yes, yeah, and I think you have a lot of company in this room and beyond. And I realize that saying I could live this way forever can sound <laughs> dire. But what I mean is it's a practice for remembering slowly, slowly, moment by moment, that we're not just the sadness. We're also the attention that sees with kindness. We're not just what happens to us or what has happened to us. We're also this compassionate attention, this innate kindness, this capacity to be with. You're not just sad. You also have this attention that's free. Does that make sense? I'm not sure. Yeah. It might not make sense in words, but I invite you to practice just up comes the sadness when you're sitting alone or you're sitting here. And notice what the mind does, what the body does too. They'll be contracting sometimes or heaviness and the mind will try to push it away or resolve it, or reject it, I don't like this. 
Right. Jaja. So all that's going on. And you notice all this going on. And also notice that just for a moment, you can practice just seeing this. And not in a kind of cold clinical way. Right. But with warmth, with friendliness, with love. Sadness is arising. So you're seeing it, and it can bring about a feeling of not being alone. That right. there's That's... a, yeah, there's a presence with you. And this is no small thing. This is the nuts and bolts of waking up as we begin to be able to be present for moments. We're part of this force that's more awake, more sensitive, more responsive. So even in the outer world, we can be a force for good or well-being. You see what I mean? Yes. Thank you. Um, Tracy, hi. Hi. Um, hi. So um, it seems to me that one of the most profound little moments that I get to experience in this is the, the recognition that I'm not trying to feel better, that it's not about, um, you know, it's not about that I'm doing it so that I can be able to not feel the difficulty. And what's really tricky for that in me about that is that, so when I have a, a real like moment or two in meditation or in regular living, where I am feeling that incredible freedom and I'm really being connected to um, so much divinity and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not trying so hard to be something other than I am. I want to hold that and grab it because it feels yeah. so open and free, you know, and I, and, I, and I know that tendency in me. So can you speak to that? Yeah, it's, this is what we're like. And we're, we, for a moment, we're open. And the next moment, we grasp it. Oh, I know it now. And I want to reproduce it. And if I wear exactly the same outfit and eat exactly the same dinner or whatever it is, I can reproduce this experience. And to just begin to see ourselves as nature just like going back to wintertime and darkness. It's we are nature. And it's natural to have a certain kind of energy at this time of year, a certain kind of wish to be cozy or what have you. It's natural to feel the darkness, the sorrow of what's going on in the world. And to not take it personally. This is a practice for not taking ourselves personally. But with this kind of kind and loving awareness, the way you would a beloved child, a beloved animal, a beloved friend. Here I go grasping. So you're not creating suffering, but just seeing that. And you still have that taste, that fragrance of what it's like to be more free. You're just not insisting that it stay. And meeting that, um, that loving presence that you're talking about I can see it, and then sometimes it's just an automatic, like a rubber band kind of goes into that. And it's just continuing to, <laughs> I like that idea of it's just nature. Like you're just yeah. practicing some nature right there. We're yeah. nature. Yeah, it's very helpful. And a lot of 
traditional Buddhist teachers will describe the body and the mind and the feelings this way. And so we can bring this warm observation to ourselves, noticing how we are. Oh, when I get really tired and stressed, I think dark thoughts. The Buddha did that according to the great legend on the night of his awakening before he achieved enlightenment. What did he do? He sat under the tree and he watched his states. And he began to notice that some states led to sorrow and I don't, you know, spinning out and some other thoughts and states would lead to more coming home. And that that simple observation of nature led to, first of all, his penetrating insight into karma that cause and effect, cause and effect. And then that deepened into his great insight about why we suffer. Because we're grabby little things. <laughs> we're always grabbing and wanting things to stay. And we can't just go soft and let things arise and pass away. And trust that once you've had that taste or that fragrance or that moment, that pressed flower in the book, that you will have it again. And also trust as we come to close that we have each other. We have Sangha and a practice and a teaching that we share. We're not alone. So we take a comfortable seat one last time. And put our two hands in our heart space if we wish. Like all people everywhere on this path to waking up, becoming real. And we feel gratitude for the practice and for this community. Not just the people who are present, but people in all times who join with us. And we don't keep the practice just for ourselves. We let it shine out in all directions to all beings everywhere, everyone here in this space and everyone everywhere in all worlds, including ourselves. And we offer the wish May we be completely safe to be ourselves without fear or danger inside and out. May all beings everywhere, including ourselves, find refuge, find presence. May all beings everywhere, including ourselves, know well-being. And may all beings everywhere, including ourselves, ultimately be completely free. you so much my noble friends noble friends thank you for your practice thank you for your presence thank you for co-creating this community